The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. This morning we're going to continue our series on these great blessings of Christmas. And as I just said in the prayer, I know Jesus probably wasn't born in December. He was probably born in the, in the spring, but... We can still celebrate his birth once a year. And as we've been doing this, we've been reminded of these great blessings. So we started with hope and love and joy. And, and all these are in the Lord. They're all very God-centered. You know, the, the hope is God-centered, and therefore it's certain hope. We have a living Savior, and our hope is living. And, and the love that God has given us was preeminent within the Godhead, and then he invited us in to this love relationship with him. That's what salvation's all about, and it's so amazing. And last week we were looking at joy, and virtually everybody in the Christmas story was joyful, and so we're just very thankful for that, and we're very thankful that the peace that we're going to talk about today is also centered in God. So I have a little video for you, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as we watch. If your church has been around long enough, they've probably got one of these hanging on their wall somewhere. It's a painting of a shepherd and a sheep. Well, lots of sheep. Uh, Beautiful green pastures, still waters. It's quiet, it's peaceful. It's all of that. But have you ever tried to steer a sheep? All right, time for dinner. Come back, no, it's okay. You guys, wait, we're friends. Why do you run? Hey, don't get smart out with me, all right? All right, someone's getting the shears. <laughs> and if I'm to be honest, sheep, they're dumb. I don't know if you've heard, no, they're just not as smart as other animals. No, they're dumb. Like walk off a cliff just because it's there, dumb. All right, do you want me to take you out to pasture? Because I will take you out to pasture. No, no, come back. Karen, no, Karen, over here, over here. <laughs> Goodness gracious, they're just stubborn. Skittish, too. Beautiful little things. Oh, don't be like that. Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Hey, hey, I'm the one that feeds you. Hey, don't ignore me. I think I get kids' ministry now. (laughs) Fine. I love you. You ever wondered why Jesus called us a sheep? Kind of a bitter pill to swallow, huh? If we were to closely examine our lives, look at all the messes that we make, how fearful we are, how fickle and wayward we can, well, if I can just put it bluntly, how dumb we can be, we are sheep. Yeah, sheep, that's about right. (laughs) But thankfully, God sent us a good shepherd, someone who will be gentle with us when we are far from home, someone who will be firm when he needs to be. Doesn't it say everything that God picked shepherds to send the good news of Jesus' birth and that right there should remind us of his shepherd in ways right off the bat. That first Christmas, 
It was a sign of peace with God for all eternity. And our shepherd, he paid the price for that peace, the highest price. I don't know about you, but this Christmas, it means so much to me that I have a good shepherd. Amen. Amen. As we're continuing today, I'm very thankful that shalom is peace in all dimensions. Psalm 23.1 says it so well. We've memorized it. Here it is in the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. It's a very clear and simple statement. The most important word, in my opinion, is the fourth word. My shepherd. When you know that the Lord is your shepherd, your personal shepherd, you know that you have all that you need. He will supply. He, he knows how to give, and he gives freely to us. The theme today is the peace of God. And we're going to examine some Old Testament and New Testament passages. But he is Jehovah Jireh. He sees our needs, and he provides. I like the way the old Scottish preacher said it, George Morrison. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. So let's celebrate the peace that we find in Jesus Christ. And I begin in the passage that Kelly read for us from Isaiah chapter 9 and the prediction of a prince of peace. For to us, to us, to the Jewish people, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. As we see the revelation of God, we understand that this prediction 700 years before Jesus came, is a prediction of his humanity, a child born, and his divinity, a son given. Because Jesus is God's eternal son who was given, his one and only son, his unique son given for us. And the government is on his shoulders. And so the titles pour forth from Isaiah, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Pele awaits in the Hebrew. Pele awaits. Wonderful counselor. I don't have time to go through all these names. I wish I did. But Pele awaits. The word wonderful is only ever used of God in the Old Testament. There is never a place where it's used to describe a human being. So from the very outset, Isaiah is predicting a God-man. An awesome advisor, a counselor. The mighty God, El Gabor, mighty in all his majesty. Everlasting Father, Abi God, in Hebrew, Abi God. And the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. 
Sar Shalom. Now I notice in the text, and I need to go back to this, the very opening words of this chapter, nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, the New Testament Gospels refer to this as Jesus' primary ministry, and we've seen this in the Gospel of Mark that we were studying, is in Galilee, the northern region. When Isaiah is writing this, the northern region, the northern tribes, had already fallen to the Assyrians. I, I looked it up. I got 10 descriptions of the Assyrian army. I won't read all 10, but let me give you a couple. Every man who was a citizen, had to serve in the military. They had a constant flow of men being trained for war. And it's no wonder that they ruled the world during this time. It was a three-year commitment. The first year, you would build roads, bridges, great projects to build up your strength. The second year, you go to battle. You go to war. The third year, you're allowed to live with your family. But the Assyrians were ruthless warriors. The Assyrians would come to a town and say, will you surrender? <laughs> and if they don't surrender, they're in big trouble. There are pictures of Assyrian kings skinning people alive. They took and enslaved all those they defeated. You know, I don't know how graphic to get of this because it's, it's Christmas Eve. I get it, right? But I want you to understand, these people in Galilee had lived through that because the first entrance of the Assyrian army was in Galilee. And they had devastated this land. And that's why the people are living in darkness and, and hopeless. They, they've been under this, this terrible time. The Assyrians are the ones who developed battering rams to knock down walls and doors. They didn't stop they were ruthless. They paraded their defeated through their streets. They cut their heads off and displayed them. They, they did all these things. So when Isaiah is predicting this 700 years before, he's, he's speaking to people that have lived this. I mean, I've never lived this. I took my mom to the doctor this week, and the doctor happened to be Jewish. She had a little yarmulke on. I said, Doc, I'm quite concerned about Israel these days. He said, thank you. Then he went on to say that he had a dear relative, a near relative, who had died in the battles in Gaza. A young man who <laughs> wasn't enlisted, he was in the reserves, and as soon as the war broke out, he joined in. And he gave his life. And he wrote a letter that he said, you only open this if I die. And this man, this doctor's telling me this with great emotion of how patriotic this man was, how he wanted to defend his country. 
I've not lived like this. I haven't worried about whether my neighbor's going to die or not, whether, whether, whether they're going to be captured and taken off. But that's what it was like in Galilee, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And that's why the prediction of this one coming is so very strong. I wish, like I said, I had the time to tell you how strong Isaiah is picturing the Messiah here. He calls him the Sar Shalom, the prince. The word Sar is used 420 times in the Old Testament. It's mostly used of victorious warriors. It is used to describe God himself 24 times. Let me show you an example. Here's an example in Joshua. When Joshua is going in to defeat Jericho, and they had a pretty unique battle plan, didn't they? Right? Well, this is how they got that battle plan. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, Sar, there's the word, Sar, prince, commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant. The Tsar. And as you know, they watched around the, and all the walls fall down. So it was a pretty unique plan to defeat Jericho. Tsar Shalom. Shalom is the word peace. <clears throat> and Shalom is a broad term. It means peace and health and prosperity and spiritual blessings. It's everything because the root of the noun peace is the verb to be complete. So it affects everything. When a Jewish person says to another Jewish person, shalom, they're saying, I, I want peace in every aspect of your life. I want you to have social peace and political peace and spiritual and physical and everything. Shalom. So Sar Shalom. Can you say it with me? Sar Shalom. See, now you learned Hebrew. Isn't that great? Wow. You can impress your family today. Sar Shalom. But what does he offer? This is what is so intriguing. Verse 7 of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is an incredible promise. Political peace by victory. This is part of the reason why when Jesus came so humbly at Bethlehem, they missed it. They're looking for that political warrior who's going to defeat, in that time, the Roman enemy. His government has no limits. It's a worldwide universal government. It's characterized by justice and peace. Do you know any governments that are characterized by that? So I say to you, this hasn't yet been fully revealed. This hasn't happened in Israel yet, but it's going to. See, this is a prediction of his second advent. His first coming was in Bethlehem, but his second advent is yet to come. 
During the tribulation period, as predicted, a false Christ, an antichrist, will make a covenant with Israel for three and a half years. A covenant of peace, but then he'll break it in the second three and a half years. And at the end of that period, the Messiah comes. Sar Shalom comes and brings universal, worldwide peace. I mean, that's what's being predicted here. You know, it's very interesting. I don't know how many of you know this. Micah 4.3 and Isaiah 2.4 are the exact same verse. It's the exact same language. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Those words are on the UN building. I guarantee you they will be fulfilled when Sar Shalom comes again. It's like amazing that Isaiah sees this 700 years before Jesus even comes, and he throws together the birth announcement with the second advent of our Savior as well. What will it be like during that reign? Well, Isaiah has more to say about that in chapter 11. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Listen, you don't put a goat in with a leopard. You don't do that at the zoo, right? The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Don't put a little child out there with a leopard and a lion. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. This is what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. The peace, the erasing of the sin, and, and those things during the millennial reign of Christ will be pervasive, even in the natural world. This is just amazing stuff. So, is it any wonder that when we think of the second coming, the coming of Sar Shalom, we call it a blessed hope? Of course we call it a blessed hope. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That is amazing prophecy. Well, I got another prediction also in Isaiah, about perfect peace. I use this verse all the time. I take it to hospital rooms. I take it to funeral homes. I, I, I whisper it in people's ears. It's such a great verse. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. In Isaiah, this passage, 26. Again, it's a song of praise. They're celebrating the return from captivity, which would happen under the Assyrians in the north and the Babylonians in the south. And when they come back to the land, they're singing this song. But once again, I have to say that for me, as I read it, it hasn't fully been fulfilled as it one day will be. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation. Its walls and ramparts open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. Yeah, see, I think that's going to happen when he comes again. And the, the, the Jewish people will acknowledge his Messiah. 
And it will be a righteous nation. I mean, when they came back from captivity, they stopped their idol worship. That, that is true. But the nation that keeps faith... And then, he, and then he throws this word in, and it's, it's just such a great promise. I mean, I just, I just love this. I, oh, I, I'm so glad I'm here today. <laughs> you will keep in perfect peace. You will guard and protect. You will do this, Lord. I can't get this kind of peace from you. I can't give it to you. Only the Lord can give it to you. He's the one who himself will give perfect peace. When Hebrews want to emphasize something, they repeat themselves. To say a superlative in Hebrew, you repeat. So guess what this is? Shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. Complete, perfect peace. Wow. Wow. Complete in every way and every situation we face because his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, 2 Peter 1.3. You see, perfect peace is possible. It's possible not just for them in that day, but for us today. Who experiences it? Well, it's pretty obvious. Those whose minds are steadfast. They fix their minds on the Lord. They fix their minds on the good shepherd. He sustains us. He, we can lean upon him. We rely on him. And our mindset has been reprogrammed, and I think that's a sanctification process for all of us, to put our trust in the Lord. Because that's what the last statement is. How can you get this perfect peace? By trusting the Lord. There it is, because they trust in you. I love this because the modern Arabic, that is the root of this ancient word trust, is a Wrestling hold, body slam, boom. Put all your trust in the Lord. Put all your everything in the Lord. Throw all your weight upon him. You see, when you trust in him and you're steadfast, you'll experience perfect peace. Without faith, we can't please God. We must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It is possible for you and I to experience some measure of perfect peace today. December 24th, 2023. That is just amazing. That is so wonderful. Look at what he says later in that same chapter. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Yes. Yes, we can say amen to that. Yes, I want to live that. What he predicts for Jerusalem is available to us today. When I was in seminary, I had a good friend. His name was Sam Chow. Sam Chow. And, and he used to go around and he, it was not irritating, but he'd say to me, keep trusting Rick John. Keep trusting Rick John. Trust in the Lord. Keep trusting in the Lord. I need friends like that. I have another friend in Jersey. Whenever I speak of something I'm anxious about or upset about, she goes, what about God don't you believe? I don't really like her very well. No, I do, actually. I mean, she helps me. What about God don't you believe? What, what aren't you believing about God right now? Perfect peace. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to perfect peace. There it is. 
Now, let's run to the New Testament. We've been in the Old Testament. Let's run to the New Testament. The clock isn't working in the back. Hallelujah. The promise of peace with God. Peace with God. The ancient Greek word is very closely related with that Hebrew word. The Hebrew shalom is bleeding over into the New Testament and their understanding of peace. Here it is. Peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is basic gospel doctrine. God justifies sinners. You qualify. I qualify. I can't earn justification. I can't keep justification. It's a gift from God. It's a legal term. It means to be declared righteous. I am not righteous. None of you needed to know me, hear me say that, but it's true. Watch me for 15 minutes and you'll know it's true. But I watch you and I see it's true of you too. You're not righteous. How can we get righteous? By faith in Jesus Christ. God declares us righteous in his holy sight by the completed work of Christ for all who believe on him by faith. That's all that's required. Having been justified by faith, we now have present, ongoing, tense, forever, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a certainty. It's, it's a possession of every believer. It's an ongoing reality. Peace with God is certain and guaranteed. It's a settled fact. Nobody can steal it from you. Nobody can take it from you. Peace with God forever. The worst they can do is kill you, and then you go home to be with Jesus. All right? Peace with God. But you say, Pastor, I'm not always at peace. I don't always feel peace. Well, that's a different subject. You have peace with God, but what about the peace of God? Now, this is in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything. I hate that command. I, I just, man, I, every time I read it, it just makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Because I worry. I wouldn't say I'm a worry wart, but my wife would probably say I am. My son might say that. Don't be anxious. Don't get worried. Don't, don't be distracted. Because it's possible to experience peace that passes all understanding. <clears throat> but if you want it, you're going to have to pray. You see that? Peace with God is a settled fact. It's forever. The peace of God is something I got to fight for sometimes. And I got to fight for it on my knees. I got to pray through a situation. In every situation, <coughs> by prayer and petition, prayer is the general term, petition is specific requests. Listen, you'll never get anywhere until you get specific in your prayer life. If you just pray in glittering generalities, you won't know whether God's answering or not. So get serious. Specific requests with thanksgiving. Why do we pray with thanksgiving? Because we know that our good shepherd's going to provide. We don't know how, but even before we get it, we can give thanks. Amen? That, that's the blessing we have. And it's hard to give thanks before you receive it. I get that. But it's with thanksgiving we present our requests to God 
and, and what a blessing it is. Then what does he do? The peace of God, there it is, which transcends all understanding. It's beyond logic. You can't explain it. You can't figure it all out. It, it just, it's happening. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What, a, what a, an incredible blessing. He's going to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that today? Christmas Eve, don't you want your mind and heart guarded in Christ Jesus? Yes. Don't you want him to ward off the enemies that are, that are taking that away from you, the, the peace that passes understanding? Of course you do. And your hearts, your souls, and your minds, your intellects in Christ Jesus. Now, for a little more to add to it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I don't have the time to go through every one of those words, but I think you know where it's coming from. You've got to reprogram what you concentrate on. You've got to think about what you think about. Because the media and even well-meaning friends and sometimes enemies will fill your minds with a lot of stuff that is not like this, and it'll steal your peace of God. So, whatever you have learned, see, you've got to practice it too. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen to me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Sar Shalom predicted 700 years before he came to Bethlehem, is now present among us, Emmanuel, and he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You can know you have peace with God by trusting in Christ. And you can know the peace of God that sometimes you're going to have to battle for. It isn't easy. And that's why Paul also concludes a great passage in Colossians with these words, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. And it's in the plural. Peace of Christ for all of us. Rule our hearts. Let him be in control. Let the peace of Christ be in control. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. This Christmas Eve. We celebrate the Sar Shalom. And all that he gives us. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming so humbly, for entering into this sin-sick world for us. Thank you, dear Lord, for being our good and great and chief shepherd. We have confidence in you. We give thanks for the peace with you that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know you have that, no. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and trust in Christ, and that peace with God is a settled fact of reality for your life. And then, if you're here and you're saying, oh Lord, I want to know the peace of God, pray to him right now. Don't be anxious, but pray. Lord, thank you for being so good to us and for your peace being so all-persuasive for us. In your great name, amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.